Hello and welcome to the Related to Geeks podcast, the podcast about a geeky family. This is episode four, original air date, Thursday, September 17, 2015. My name is Megan, the youngest of the siblings and your host. And with us tonight is my sister, Sarah. Hello. And our father, Mr. Harry Larry. Mr. Harry Larry. Hi. Will the real Harry Larry hi, please hi. stand up? Hey, I hear you now. No. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, Kier could not be with us tonight. He is apparently sicky-poo, so that is sad face for all of us. Um, if this is the first yeah. time that you are listening to this particular podcast, we will start off with the What's Caused Us to Geek Out Lately section, and then we'll go into our topic of the week, and we'll finally wrap things up with our picks of the week. So now that that mouthful is over, let's get right to it with Dad. What's caused you to geek out lately? Well, as you know, your mom and I went to Peoria, and I played at the Illinois Blues Festival. And her cousin, Mike Thurman, he shot video. And so I made nine music videos Monday and Wednesday and uh, posted them up on YouTube. And just, hey, I got three of them up on Related to Geeks. Yeah, I saw those pop up so earlier. That was a total geek out. <laughs> yeah, I got yeah, that was a total geek on them, out. too. You guys all go to my Harry Larry channel, or more importantly, go to the Related Geeks channel and subscribe. Nice plug, man. Nice. <laughs> yeah, I work. Uh, it's always a problem when you only have one camera. But it turns out Mike's quite good at it. He doesn't move the camera around a lot, and he doesn't do a lot of zooming, but he does get some nice close-ups and holds them, and then he winds out. And uh, even when we had three of us there, he was, uh, you know, would show all of us and show the whole band, but, but spent a lot of time on clothes and who was actually performing. And uh, so he was very good at that. And then on the audio, um, when just I was performing, the on-stage audio was the better quality because it didn't have the other stage. But uh, once the speakers got on stage, it was out of balance, and I used the audio from the uh, uh, main speakers that was in his video camera. Um, we were loud enough that you couldn't hear the other stage, once the three of us were <laughs> so, so I lucked out all the way around getting good video and good audio on nine songs. Yeah, I remember just trying, when I helped you record video, uh, video for some of your music videos, that it always seemed that I would get set up in the tightest little, like, space and you would have two other cameras that I would try to be aware of and not, like, block their view of you. And I basically had two feet of space that I had to maneuver in to try to get all these different angles, and that was tricky. Yeah, and it's really uh, best to have at least two cameras going because it's it's very unusual that one camera has good shot all the way through the video. So I just lucked out with Mike being really good on the camera. And it was his camera, and it's all uh, NTSC, and uh, I made a DVD of it. And on, on YouTube, um, they look really good, but on that DVD, they're all um, 16 by 9 because I got a 16 by 9 monitor, and I don't know how to make it 4 by 3, and I look fat. <laughs> <laughs> Just so DVDs, out, huh? DVDs are not really good. Uh, I, I hadn't figured out DVDs yet. Fortunately, nobody uses them anymore. Everybody uses YouTube. The future. How about how about you, Sarah? What's caused you to geek out lately? 
Well, we've still kind of been on the astronomy kick that we talked about last time. We did end up going to the the planetarium showing and all of that in St. Louis um, last weekend. We got to go see the star show, which was, you know, we had seen. It's just like the the what's happening, you know, at this time of the year in your neighborhood kind of thing. And um, we had seen one very, you know, very similar to that when, when we used to live up there. But that's been years and years and years ago. Yeah, I think I actually went with you to see one of those. We went and, you know, we watched the star show and all of that stuff. And it was crowded. It was really crowded. They also had a Doctor Who thing going on the same night. And they said that that... Aww. <laughs> I'm sorry. Missed it. <laughs> I thought about you when we got there. I was like, oh, shoot. But I think you were busy that night anyway. So I don't know that it would have mattered. But Sounds like we, me. Uh, yeah, I know. <laughs> We got there and talked to the people out front. They had set up some some sun spotting scopes to kind of look at the sun, but the sun, the clouds weren't cooperating. And by the time the clouds went away, the sun was really too low on the horizon for them to see anything. But um, you know, Devin, Devin especially got to talking to them because he likes to talk. And then we went in and saw the star show. And I was actually telling Dad about this yesterday. One of the things that they showed was kind of the levels of darkness, like a kind of gradient map that uses, I think he said it uses Google Earth, and it just kind of looks at the light and kind of gives you an idea of what your light pollution is where you live. And they had shown St. Louis and then some of the outer, outer laying, like maybe an hour away from St. Louis areas and what the light looks like there. So we got the, the name of the website, which I, I'll, I'll get a link. I don't know it off the top of my head, but I'll go ahead and link it or get Dad to link it in the show notes so that, that y'all can look at it if you want to. I think it's like Dark Sky Finder or something like that, but that's not the actual website. What we found out about where we live, because they said there's no place. It, it goes from like white, which would be like, you know, the major, major cities. What they told us, well, what they actually said in the presentation is that there is no place in Missouri, which is the state we live in, that is totally black. Um, They said, you know, if you were like in eastern Kentucky, Tennessee, you might see some of that. But you're not seeing that anywhere in the state of Missouri. So we got home and we looked it up and we looked at where we live and we know that we're really rural. There is not a lot of light around where we are. And we are in the gray area. And... And so that's kind of exciting because I know that that we can see a lot. I mean, obviously, I can walk outside my house and we can see a lot. But it's really cool to know that we're really almost as dark as it gets in the state of Missouri, that that we would have a hard time going somewhere and getting a darker sky. So that's kind of exciting. We stayed afterwards. They had some telescopes set out in the field adjacent to the Science Center. And Saturn was really bright that night and very visible so almost every every telescope was was um, focused on Saturn so we got to see Saturn's rings through probably five or six six different scopes that night and then we had one guy who who did kind of release his hold on Saturn for a little bit and and kind of scooted his scope over to Vegas so we could see that as well that was just it was a really cool night Uh, Liz doesn't like I said last time doesn't ever remember looking through a telescope so it was kind of a a neat thing for her and to have those first images be Saturn's rings 
I think was really cool. And I know she's seen Saturn's rings through a telescope before, but she just remembers none of it. When I was in high school, um, I used to go to the Chicago Planetarium all the time, like every week. And uh, we were into building telescopes and grinding our own mirrors and that whole thing. So we were heavily geeking out into the telescope thing. Yeah, I remember like me and Dad had all these plans when, you know, I got my giant telescope. We were going to build like, you know, this, this special tower out at the house and like have our own little observatory and all this stuff. And then we remember that there's nothing but mosquitoes out at all times. And so that kind of bust. But uh, those, those yeah, mosquitoes our, our aren't neighbors good. all have those lights. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, Dad, you live out, you know, pretty much kind of in that same boat where you're real rural, but you got a whole bunch of neighbors who like lights. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure it would be a lot better to be up on a tower because uh, it just... Uh, you know, when I'm on the ground, the lights are blocked out. Um, I mean, they still light the sky a little bit, but I'm not looking at them. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Um, but yeah. if you get up on a tower, I'd see all my neighbor's lights, and they'd all be shining on us and everything. It'd be weird. You'd be yeah. blinded. Yeah. yeah, we actually had a, a light outside, like a security light outside, and I called the electric company and had them go ahead and, and cut power to that. Um because we knew it would make a huge difference in what we could see. Oh, absolutely. So that is that is now permanently off, which is Great. nice. Yeah, it was it was fun. It was fun to get up there and, and go do some stuff. And then we ended up buying, um, I just ordered it from Amazon, a planoscape so that we can kind of see what's in the sky, um, depending on where we're at in time. Um, I don't know if y'all have ever, I'm sure you've used a planoscape, but it's a new concept to me. No, I haven't used a planoscape. Well, pretty cool. I mean, it just basically, it's a rotating wheel that shows you what, depending on the date and the time, what you should be seeing in the sky and where at any at any given okay, time. Okay, cool. cool. So, I, um, yeah, we, we went ahead. They had one. They were showing that at the, the museum. And it was like 12 bucks on Amazon. So, we went ahead and got one. Um, and it, it's good through, I think, 2018 or 2020. I can't remember. The one, that, the particular one we got. So it'll it'll last us a few years at any rate. We ended up getting a pair of Celestron binoculars as well, just so that we can, you know, we were talking last week about wanting something that was pretty inexpensive, that we could at least kind of see something more than what we can see with the naked eye, and that's what we ended up settling on. We need a, we do need a tripod for it. They're a little shaky. If you try to hold them in your hands, they're pretty big. Yeah, they're but, powerful um, binoculars, right? They're yeah. Um, I think I think when, when we're talking about, it, they're actually a little more powerful than the spotting scope I got. Yeah, I think um, it's I think it's fifteen by seventy. Um, I think that's what it was. And okay, so mine mine's uh, twenty by sixty. So you have more light, but not more. And then mine'll go up to uh, um, sixty by sixty. Uh, you know, sixty power. So it has a variable power. So we need to get together and compare. The binoculars will have better light gathering power. It'd be great for um, uh, open clusters and stuff like that. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I kind of, one of the things that just amazed Liz is we were kind of looking off in the horizon. I could see that kind of like little faint cluster of stars that you can't really, it just looks like a little shimmery light off in the distance. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, look at this, Liz. And I, you know, focused the binoculars on them and, you know, showed 
showed her that all the the different individual stars that were in that little faint light and she was like that is so cool because <laughs> it's not you yeah. know she's never experienced that before she would never i don't even know if she would have thought that that's what that was and and to be able to you know Galaxies. show her that out of a pair of binoculars was pretty cool in a low power scope uh, galaxies are just as much um yeah but uh Open clusters and globular clusters are just beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, and I just, I didn't even know what I was going to be able to see with the binoculars, so when I tried it out, I was very happy that I was going to be able to show her that, and and she got excited about it, which was nice. We, um, like I said, we got the planoscope, planoscope, sorry, and the binoculars, so we'll be, we'll be doing a little bit. We haven't had much of a chance. We, we were in Arkansas for about half the week last week, and um, well, no, we got in there Friday, but we didn't get the planoscope until Thursday because we ordered it after we got back. Um, so I've got an extra tripod out in the shed, a okay. camera tripod, and you can use it. Yeah, it's just out in the white sheds, and we want to set up a time to go up there and have an observing session. Yeah, yeah, I think I think that'll be fun. I think so too. So, yeah, Why I'm not? excited. I'm excited. To- to delve into it even more in chicago of course the light's terrible and so we yeah. would go up to wisconsin and yeah we'd drive a couple hours you know to get into the woods in wisconsin and all that to see when there was a special thing coming up we wanted to really see your photograph so yeah, we got a my, road trip too one of my biggest regrets from from living in in the chicago area was that we never made it to adler um it was always on our list and it just never happened um, getting yeah, into downtown Chicago wasn't something we did super often, but it was something that we really hoped to do, but it just never did. It's a real cool, really cool place. It's a good planetarium, and I don't know about now, but when I was there, they had a, a lab for teaching people how to grind telescope mirrors, and you could oh, wow. just take your mirror in there and work on your own mirror, and they'd help you test it and everything. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it was way cool. Yeah, a lot of fun. Okay, Megan, what have you been geeking out on? Um, I have decided that minimalism is cool, and I'm <laughs> I'm considering, like, making some major life changes that I may regret later, but I'm still kind of considering them. Um, but I've been watching YouTube video after YouTube video about, you know, people who are living with less and appreciating their things more, and it's just, it's kind of opened my eyes because I spend so much time rummaging through crap that I have and not actually taking time to enjoy enjoy any of that stuff. And so now I'm going through all of my crap and just like mass getting rid of stuff, mass piling up clothes that I I don't wear and, and, and books that I've either already read or am never going to read. And, you know, I, I've, I've done regular like clear out sessions in the past but like I don't think I've ever gone to quite this extreme and I'm just letting it all sit for now I'm letting it sit for a couple weeks and then I'm gonna uh, you know try to start selling it off and 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 getting rid of it that way but I'm 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 being careful now because I don't want to go too gung-ho and get rid of everything and then feel terrible about it but it's something I'm exploring more and more about the idea of getting rid of stuff and also how little it's going to affect the stuff I enjoy doing as a geek. Because as far as like 
playing video games and, and reading books and watching movies and all of that stuff, there's all digital alternatives to that. So it allows me to kind of cut back on, you know, the stuff that I own, but still kind of do the things that I enjoy, which is, which is a neat, uh, I think a neat outcome of the situation. It means I'll spend less time organizing and cleaning and more time doing the things I enjoy. All I do is I read on my Kindle, but I still got all my books and I ain't getting rid of them. <laughs> <laughs> we go through, a, that's, that's the one area I would say we purge the most. We go through a book purge every year or two. And mostly that's because we have a, a, a daughter who is outgrowing books. I mean, she does keep certain books that are special to her. But, you know, there's a lot of books that we buy because we get them at a used bookstore or, you know, thrift sales or, you know, scholastic book sales when we're part of a homeschool group. And, you know, she's read them once and she's done with them. They're not super special to her or anything like that. So we do go, we do go through a major book purge. We just went through, we, we took, I think, three or four boxes to Half Price Books a couple of months ago just to, just to clear some more stuff out because we just don't have enough space for everything we already have. And that's actually one of the easiest things for us to get rid of at this point. Whenever um, I get rid of a book, I probably got it at the library book sale and read it. And so I take it back to the library book sale and give it back to them and then... Yeah. Two weeks later, I'll find myself seeing that same book and almost buying it again. <laughs> I was about to say, I thought you were going to say, I take it back to the library book sale and I buy ten more books. Yeah, oh, I do. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably part of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it just don't work with me, the getting rid of book stuff. Yeah. I, I try and I try and it never works. And I always I, get more. It I was, check out a lot of books at the at the library because there's no way I could even at discount prices. I don't think I could keep Liz in books. She just reads and reads and reads. I started going through it through the books this evening, and it was one that I was convinced was going to be the hardest for me to do. And as I started going through them, I realized that it. I really have just been holding on to a lot of books that I've already read, and for some reason felt like I needed to hold on to. Also, I have a lot of books that I held on to because, I guess, because they're classics. But those are the easiest to track down, you know. Those are always going to be at the library. Those are always going to be available. I mean, a lot of them are so old that they're available through, you know, things like archives.org and things like that. Gutenberg Project, you know. I mean, they're, they're just out there. So, I mean, it's just silly to hang on to them. We do hang on to the books that have sentimental value to us for whatever reason it is the first chapter book that liz read she came hung on to because it means something to her yeah um you know the certain books that she read that that she's she's got books that she's read four or five times because she likes them that much so it makes sense to hang on to those books because she's probably going to revisit them many more times throughout her life well, and it was oh. funny. I didn't have any particular system for my books as far as how I organized them on the shelf, but apparently I did because as I was going through them, it was like when I started, I was I, I reached a pile of books that I knew I was going to keep all of those books, and that was the first shelf I started to address, and I was like, oh, this is going to be miserable because I'm going to want to keep everything. And then I got to the next shelf, and I was just like, okay, well, I can get right about half of those books. And then I went to the next shelf, and I was like, I don't really want any of those books. And then I realized that I had already categorized my books 
based on the ones that I really liked or the ones that had sentimental value or the ones that were just books that are I was keeping for no reason. So it actually is making the purge quite easy because there's just whole blocks of books on the shelves that are just books that I don't need. Yeah, we never I have get whole rid parts. of DVDs, but once we watch a movie, we really don't really want to watch it again, you know, so that's weird. I can get rid of DVDs, but I wouldn't get much shelf space. So I have whole areas of my house that I just need to get rid of. <laughs> well, and we're having a discussion about this last week. <laughs> yeah, I kind of I laid the smack down a couple different times. Um, I, I said she basically defines everything I'm kind of against right now, as far as you know her habits of holding on to things and <laughs> um, and the reasoning she has behind them. But the the really interesting thing about like watching some of these videos is they kind of they talk about it um in a way that's making me look at my stuff differently things like and and this is funny because after you know bad mouth and you say oh this is actually something that you guys live without but i'm going to unplug my microwave as part of this and set it aside for two weeks and see how i feel about it at the end of two weeks and then if i realize i don't need it then i'm going to get rid of it because honestly it takes up a lot of counter space. It's not particularly healthy for me, and I can do everything in the microwave using my stove and other, you know, tools. So yeah. I, I don't know why I still have that thing, you know. I, you know, we haven't had one since 2011, I think. And seriously, we don't miss it mm -hmm. at all. So, you know, I think some people probably use it a lot more than we ever did. But I basically used mine to steam vegetables in. And that was about it. <laughs> so it was it was a, a pot that I already owned taking up more space on my counter. So it just didn't make sense to keep it. Uh, this is my take on too much stuff. Everyone either spent a lot of money on their house or they're paying a lot of money in rent. You know what I'm saying? And then they fill it up with stuff. Well, you gotta you got to put a value on that space, too, you know, and not just the stuff. Yeah, and we were, me and Sarah were actually talking about that because she was talking about stuff that you get, you know, for free or things like that. And even if it's no real cost to you up front, it's still costing you that space in your house. And that yep. space is valuable. And it's, it's a regular expense. Yeah. And I mean, if I, if I go like, if I continue as, uh, you know, as dedicated as I'm starting, um, I'm going to have too much house before I know it. <laughs> uh, which is going to be an issue because I don't know what to do. I don't really want to move, so I'm going to have to figure out a way to use the extra space. Maybe I need, like, a, a meditation room that's just completely empty, and go. I just sit and meditate. <laughs> it's a good use of my time. I will never have an empty room. I'm pretty sure of that. <laughs> <laughs> I can just about guarantee it. <laughs> yeah, and I'm about to start building more storage space, so this is an appropriate topic for all of us. <laughs> Well, you know, it was like we were talking. We only have one computer right now. And I honestly don't know if we got two more computers, which we would like to do. We we function really well if we're a three-computer family. <laughs> Much better than a one-computer family. <laughs> I don't know where we're going to put them. I know that we could find space. I mean. If there's one thing I've learned from Dad, there's always space for more computers. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I mean, you, you know this, Megan. I have two tables in my office that I thought were going to be a good kind of craft space, workspace for Liz, for school, and all of this stuff. And all they are, are they are a place that all of the stuff, 
that we should be putting, you know, that we don't know what to put with just ends up stacked on these tables. Yeah. And so, I mean, those tables are not doing us any service mm-hmm. at all. You know, shelves in that place would be a much better use of space. But I don't want to put shelves there. I'd rather get rid of stuff. But then yeah. it becomes the, what do you get rid of? I, I really want those tables there. I really want them to be useful. Yeah, I shared this. I shared this quote with our with our other sister Gretchen earlier about um, if you have to buy stuff to hold your stuff, you probably have too much stuff. And so it's that idea. It's like, oh, I could buy another shelf and put all this stuff away up in the shelf, but that's not really a good solution to the problem. The law of horizontal surfaces is as intractable as the law of gravity. If you have a surface, it will attract junk. Yeah. Oh, oh, Devin has has um, mentioned on many, many times we just need to get rid of all flat surfaces. Yeah. <laughs> and that will solve that problem. But then all you'll have yeah. is the floor, and that's going to be nothing but a flat surface. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's already one, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> Sometimes it's worse than others. <laughs> uh, are y'all familiar with Fly Lady at all? No. No. Oh, I can't believe you've never heard of Fly Lady. She is somebody who, I guess, was a clutter, had major clutter issues, and basically has, had devised a system for her that worked and helped her declutter and get rid of stuff and keep her house clean. And she's kind of shared all of that with her. She's got books. She's got a big website. One of the things, she has a few YouTube videos that are a million years old. But I was watching them one day because I was like, you know, I've got to do something. And that's why I started because I was wondering how people were incorporating her system. And I figured she had enough people that were following her that there would be something. And I didn't even realize she had a YouTube channel at that point. And she's got this one video where she's got this table in front of her. And it's very definitely on crooked legs with a slant. And she put stuff on it and it just all toppled off. And she says, if just keeping our flat surfaces were that easy or something along those lines. But unfortunately, that won't help. <laughs> so she's just letting everything just fall off the table because, you know, flat surfaces attract stuff. I think you may have had to be there. Nah. Nah, I got it. I was there. <laughs> I was with you. So, but yeah, I can't believe you haven't. Yeah, she's been around for forever. She's the one, you know, that the big on using timers to set limits and doing things on like zone cleaning yeah on area of your house each week yeah i'm familiar with that concept but i never really heard of the fly lady yeah i i think flylady.com or flylady.org or something like that is her her website all right well we're going to take a quick break first and we'll come back with our topic of the week You're listening to the Related to Geeks podcast, the podcast of a geeky family. Listen to more episodes on our website, relatedtogeeks.com, and on our YouTube channel. All right, everybody, welcome back. Our topic of the week is creative geek outlets. These are these things that we do that are kind of creative in nature, artsy, craftsy, you know, using using that side of your brain that's creative. <laughs> the one one of the sides is supposed to be creative, the other side the not inside. so much. The inside's creative. <laughs> ah, I like it. I like it. The inside of your brain. Using the inside of your brain. 
So we're just going to kind of open this up and I'm going to start this week because I feel like being greedy and uh, I want to talk specifically about writing because that's what I spend most of my time doing, whether it's for work or for pleasure. Uh, But not only do I write a lot for work as a journalist, but I'm starting this blog that's caused me to write a lot and then I occasionally dabble in fiction, but more often than anything, I just enjoy journaling and 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 writing that way and having that as kind of a brain dump and talk about ideas and things that I'm excited about or whatever to to the pages of a notebook and I have quite the collection of notebooks um, I stocked up during the back to school sales so I'm good to go but uh, writing's definitely been one of my my favorite go-to uh, creative outlets uh, especially lately and I know a lot of people out there really don't enjoy the writing process. That's like their their least favorite thing to do. I know that especially from going to classes where people had to write and anytime there was a writing assignment, it was just like the worst thing ever for about half the class. And then the other half was like, yippee. So there's definitely two mindsets when it comes to writing. But for me, I'm I'm always wanting to sit down and just, you know, get my thoughts on paper or, or type away at the computer. It's such a therapeutic thing for me. I'm the same way as far as... I, and I much prefer writing stuff down on paper than sitting at the computer and typing stuff. But I think it mostly just depends on what it is I'm working on. I know I, know I was not always somebody who was a fan of writing. When, when I was pulled out of public school and started to be homeschooled, I think that was probably the biggest point of contention between our mother and myself. Because... <laughs> We went round and round and round and round because I did not want to do that work. I was not happy with that at all. But now, I mean, I write on a daily basis. Either for, I, I scrapbook, so I write a lot of stuff for that. Just journaling on my pages or writing down notes of stuff I want to remember for when I do scrap it. I write blog posts. I write in a journal just as a what happened this day or what my feelings are today. And I write a lot of lists. Lists are probably the thing I spend the most time writing. You can't see me right now, but my head just started going up and down real hard there. <laughs> I love lists. I'm on the creative team for a digital scrapbooking site, and I don't know if I've mentioned that before. I probably have. But a couple of years ago, they did a big telling your story. Um, I can't remember the exact name of the event, but it was just about, about capturing your story in scrapbooking pages and I did a two-part article on using lists in scrapbooking and all the different types of ways you can use lists in scrapbooking and all of that I'll have to link those up because I put as much information in those two forum posts as I possibly could and I think that there's a lot of good resources there for people who are list makers and especially people who want to tell their stories through lists and I think in addition to just, you know, sitting down and writing as a solitary act, you also got to think about writing in groups. And essentially, I mean, that's what, like, Dungeons & Dragons is. But um, there's something really fun about those types of the storytelling games and things like that. We did a lot of that. I, I led a uh, workshop at a, a summer camp for a few years. And we tried creative writing at one point and somebody else was leading it and it just kind of flopped because they had so many exercises that were all like isolated. You go write about this thing, you go write about this thing. And the, the kids just weren't having fun with it. 
And then I kind of took over and I, you know, took more of my storytelling background and, you know, D&D background, role-playing background, and made it more of an interactive, let's tell a story together uh, type of experience. And everybody really responded to that. And it was one of those workshops that every year the same kids would come back to. And you really kind of developed a bond with those kids. And we'd write certain stories together, and some of them would keep those stories and bring them back the next year. There's something really powerful about creating stories together that, that bonds people in a way that I, I, I haven't seen anything else get people together in the same way. I haven't done a lot of cooperative storytelling or anything. I've done some projects with Liz in our, in our schooling, but not a lot and certainly not any big group. There's a small exception to that that I have helped people with plays and stuff as they were writing plays and all of that, but I was definitely not a main writer of them or anything. I was just a person that they asked their opinion of. At Praise Pen rehearsal, um, we co-wrote a song, and we had about five uh, people all contribute a line or a part of it, and that was pretty cool. It's also fun in, in drawings. We did that one one point where they had to design a creature, and everybody had to contribute at least one trait or characteristic of the creature uh, cool. in order to create the creature that they were developing and they it came some of them came out interesting one of them had free wi-fi <laughs> there you go <laughs> tells you a little bit about the age we live in right <laughs> that's the important stuff my uh, creative outlet geeky creative outlet that i want to discuss is uh kind of a whole bunch of things that wrap into one and that's Music composition and songwriting, and then recording audio and video, and then promoting it on the internet. So that's all kind of like making up your ideas, and then expressing your ideas, and then promoting your ideas and your output. So that's uh, that's what's been fascinating me for years, um, ever since the internet began, is uh, how to get your thoughts and your music out on the internet for other people to hear. That kind of stuff has also appealed to me, but anytime I sit down and actually try to do it, I realize that it's a lot of work. <laughs> well, part of the, the skill set you have to acquire is how to design your workflow so it's not so much work. So it takes a lot of doing it when it's a lot of work, and then you have to immediately try to figure out how can I make this be less work. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing with the, the, the blog right now is it feels like it's taken forever, but I know a lot of this is just the setup and, and figuring out what I'm doing with it. And once I get into the groove a little bit more, then it's just going to be, you know, the, the writing the articles and then maintain, maintaining the site, um, which is going to run smoother, hopefully, in the future. But uh, on top of that, Dad, I'd, I'd say that uh, another thing you have to remember, especially with doing all of those finicky things including you know editing and 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 putting together videos and things like that is you can't necessarily be a perfectionist about everything because then you're just gonna never get anywhere with any of it yeah you have to be um you know it used to be that you'd make a cd once or twice a year you know and you would really want everything just perfect you know but when you're recording your live shows, you have to be able to let it go out warts and all, and if you make a mistake, no big deal. 
you know, people aren't going to listen to it a hundred times. They might listen to it once, mm-hmm. you know. And so, as carpenters say, uh, better is the enemy of good enough. Um, you have to go, that's good enough, and then I'll do the next one better. And if it's not good enough, you have to be willing to say, well, I'm just not going to release this. I'm going to record it again later. Yeah. Instead of trying to make it good enough when it's not. And there's definitely some artists out there that shine uh, during their live performances. That I mean, it's like that's the only case where I listen to them is when they're live. There, uh, most artists' um, live performances are better recordings. Yeah. At least I enjoy them more because I like that. You know that kind of. Uh, you know, when it's all polished and all that, I listen to it once or twice, and, man, it's so smooth and everything. You know, it's kind of like, you know, looking at a clean kitchen counter. You know, there's nothing there to see. You need some food on it. Yeah. Food food is much more interesting. <laughs> I find food very, very interesting. That's your mom's creative geek outlet. <laughs> <laughs> and, boy, do I love her creative geek outlet. <laughs> And it's a creative geek outlet. The fact that she feeds a lot of geeks is that. Yeah, and she feeds she feeds <laughs> a lot of people, geeks <laughs> and non geeks. I don't know if there's such a thing as a non geek, honestly. <laughs> Everybody's super geeky about stuff. We're all geeks now. One of us. One of us. Ah. <laughs> <sighs> uh. I think maybe some of us are geekier than others, though. I don't know. Or at least in the traditional geek culture. I am the uber geek. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I have been nothing but surrounded by geeky people all of my life. So I don't I don't know any other way, I guess. Maybe that's what it is. I don't understand the other Maybe side. you just associate with all the right people. <laughs> it's possible. We'll, we'll, we'll stick with that. All right, Sarah, what's your what's your creative outlet of choice lately or of, of all time or a bunch of well, creative outlets? Well, we've talked outlets. about it. <laughs> I have all kinds of creative outlets, but um, we talked about this a little bit. I've, I've been kind of on the, the big planner decorating kick I um I've always kept planners and calendars and all of this but I've never been really good at using them like I'll be all gung-ho about it and it'll be good for like three weeks and then it'll be on a shelf somewhere never to be seen again um and I have been keeping this one since the end of July which is probably a record for me uh, we're at, what, middle of September now? So that's like a month and a half. And I'm pretty Yay. proud of that. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, I mean, it's not like I don't write every little thing down in it or anything like I probably should. But I look at it most days, which is a definite improvement. And I think there's just something about it being pretty that makes me want to go look at it. And go, you know what? I've got pretty labels to put stuff on, or there's pretty flowers on this page, or whatever. I mean, you're so superficial. Ah, oh, tell ya. Um, <laughs> it's pretty, uh, bright and colorful. I just did a page today. Um, I actually did a blog post over at the the store that I I'm on the creative team for, 
And it was all about how to use digital journaling cards in your planner pages and, and different ways that I do that. So I had <laughs> taken some some of them and reduced them in size and turned them in, into stickers because they fit exactly in the boxes in my planner at a reduced size. So if I take a four by six card and I reduce it to, to one and a half inches wide, it's exactly the right size to fit in one of the boxes in my planner, which I think is pretty amazing because, you know, somebody's worked hard to decorate these things and make them all nice and lovely. So all I have to do is just resize them, put them on sticker paper, cut them out and put them in my planner. What was so funny? <laughs> just all I have to do is take their stuff. <laughs> well, I have it. <laughs> it's, it's, it's made for people. I know, I know. It was just... It was just it made me giggle. That's what I'm saying, is it's already out there. Yeah. You don't have to do all of the the hard design work. You just have to print it I out. I tell you, your, da your daughter's not in that boat, because I was talking to her about making me some paper dolls uh, of all the different doctors, the 12 doctors, and she was just like, man, I really wish I could, you know, learn more about graphic design so I could design those myself for you. And I was just like, I'm sure they're out there already. Just go find them and print them out and make them for me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure there's billions of different paper dolls out there of the doctors. <laughs> Everybody who has had the chance to make them has made them. <laughs> yeah, more than likely. Um, yeah, but she's, she, I, and she does, obviously, she does get a lot of her ideas and stuff online and, and doesn't do all of her own creations. Um, but especially within the, the world of origami and paper folding. Um, but she has designed some of her own stuff. She pulls from stuff. Like, you know, she'll she'll pull from a, a pic picture and make a 3D rendition of it. Mm -hmm. But she's not following any sort of specific how-to. Um, and I'm mostly talking clay and, and cloth. Those are her two. Outside of just the whole world of origami, those are her two mediums of choice. When it actually comes to her creative outlets. So we'll talk about her creative outlets a little bit, I guess, because <laughs> she definitely, this, she definitely has them. Yeah, this may be a, a stupid question, but uh, you guys have watched uh, Between the Folds, uh, right? Oh yes. Okay, I'm yes. just gonna throw that out there for anybody listening. Go watch that documentary; it is good. <laughs> it really is, and it. I mean, she was. It was a couple of years ago. She she would have been like 11 or 12 when we watched it. And she was absolutely fascinated the whole way. God, it's it super fascinating. <laughs> I mean, I have uh, no desire to fold paper, but I'll watch that over and over again and be mesmerized. And she has she has so much patience when it comes to that sort of thing. Um, and she doesn't, you know, everybody's like, you know, that takes so much patience. And she's like, oh, I just fold this paper 16 times to get 32 different folds. And, you know, that, that hedgehog that she made you. Um, yeah. You know, that starts out with, like, her folding that piece of paper 16, you know, 16 times each way to get these little bitty checkerboard patterns on it before she even starts. 256 squares. Thank you, because I couldn't do that in my head. <laughs> I was trying, and I'm like, nope, I'm not going to do it. It's a bunch. <laughs> it's a bunch of little squares. <laughs> you know, it probably takes her, you know, a half an hour to 45 minutes just to do that portion of it. But, you know, that's even before she just even does anything that even starts to look like it's taking shape. It's mm -hmm. just a flat piece of paper in little squares. 
Well, and I think that's the most fascinating thing about origami is the fact that people took the time to fold these, you know, nonsensical shapes and then give them a form that makes them into something, you know, like trying to figure out how they found those patterns and how they were able to make those eventual, you know, creations. It kind of baffles my, my mind sometimes. Well, you know, it's, it's funny because I don't, I don't understand all the folds in origami. I mean, you know, I know a valley fold, I know a hill fold, mountain fold, whatever it's called. I don't even know the name of it. Um, <laughs> mountain fold. <laughs> and, and stuff like that. But, you know, she can just look at a diagram and she goes, oh, yeah, that's pretty easy. Anytime she gets a chance to show somebody how to, to fold, she's there. She's showing them how to fold a swan. That's always, almost always her go-to first folding lesson for yeah. any anybody who's interested um and and she's we can't go anywhere if there's a piece of paper she's folding it into a crane that's just what she does it is going to be a crane if there is a flat piece of paper sitting in front of her <laughs> andy's mints like if you go to a restaurant and they give you an andy's mint after the thing she'll fold those wrappers up and give them to the waitress your daughter's class <laughs> tell ya <laughs> uh, <laughs> And then, you know, she does, also we talked about a little bit, she does clay sculpture, some, not as much as she used to, but she does, she does enjoy sculpting with clay, and she's really good, I think, I mean, I'm biased, I'm sure, but she's really <laughs> good at taking a 2D picture and turning it into something dimensional, something yeah. three-dimensional. She does it almost as good with fabric as she does with clay. Which I think, to me, fabric seems so much less moldable to, than clay to me. But but she's been making felties now for about four or five years. And, you know, she started off. Now, that one, she started off with a book and how-tos and, and all of that, where she made a few patterns from a book. But then she just started making her own stuff. Um, and she makes stuff for presents. That's one of her favorite things to do, is just make homemade gifts for everybody. Which I think is awesome. Yeah. And honestly, I mean, if you've got one of these creative outlets and, and that's an option for you, do that. Because not only is it, you know, cheaper for you, but you're, you're more likely to get something that the, the other person is going to really appreciate and cherish rather than, you know, more stuff that they don't need. That's one thing going oh. through stuff I have is that, you know... Those are the obvious, okay, well, those are those are for me to keep because those mean so much more to me than anything else, so. I was going to say, I like the part where you said it's cheaper. It's not always cheaper, <laughs> but. <laughs> it's true that it's not always cheaper, but there are a lot of, there's a lot of ways you can make it cheaper. And you also have to realize that traditionally people spend a lot more on gifts than we do. We're a very yeah, cheap gift-giving family. <laughs> that is probably true. But I did, I did come across a meme not too long ago, and I don't remember the exact dollar amounts, but it was something like, why spend twelve seventy six on something you want when you can buy the materials to make it for ninety six seventy eight? Yeah, <laughs> or something like that. And I'm like, that's me. <laughs> well, I'll guarantee you, you can buy a used shelf cheaper than you can buy the lumber to build one. Absolutely. That doesn't stop me from building shelves. Because uh, I get them the size I want. And that's, I think, part of it is that custom. 
the customizable stuff about homemade things, whether it be a size or a taste or a color or whatever. It's one of the really nice things. As you know, you're making something tailor-made to a specific person. Yeah. Well, I'm a big supporter of free culture and uh, remixable art, remixable media, photos that are on a Creative Commons license or video that you can, you know, video footage that you can use in your video project, stuff like that. But I'm also, I also just really like the ground up, you know, I have this idea and I'm going to do the whole thing. You know, so yeah. I like both both sides of it. Going and getting the pattern or go, like Sarah was saying, uh, reducing it and printing it on a sticker that's reusable, free culture, you know, um, or no, not free. You I actually mean, draw everything out yourself. You know, all of that stuff that, that I'm using costs money. There are definitely things out there that are free that mm-hmm. you could use for the same thing. But this is actually part of a store site. Uh-huh. Um. But there are definitely people that are willing to share. Uh, and, and the people that I, I work with oftentimes will have free things on their blogs that they give away just so that you can see whether or not what they create works for you before you go spend money in their store. Um, but you can get some amazing stuff um, for not a lot of money from these stores, especially if you if you shop using their newsletters or or in-store specials and stuff um especially when you consider the fact that it is reusable for as long as you want to use it and i'm using it in a much different way than most people are intending these things to be used because mostly they're used as a digital scrapbooking medium where you're doing all of your stuff in photoshop or some other sort of scrapbooking or photo editing software and then either just displaying it digitally or printing it out on a piece of paper and putting it in a book. And I tend to print pieces out separately and then put them on a piece of paper and put them in a book. There's all kinds of uh, great white art that's uh, 1920s and public domain. Oh, yeah. Are you familiar, talking about, you know, the collaborative process and all of that, are you familiar with Hit Record, the website Hit Record, either of y'all? No, I'm not familiar with it. Okay, it's uh do you know what Megan? It rings a bell, but I'm I'm trying to remember why that's the case. Well there's a hit record T V on Netflix, which is based on the stuff that comes off of this website. Oh. So that you may have come across it. Watch it. We only have seen the first episode, but it's it's um Joseph Gordon Levitt. I like him. And yeah, and he had, I guess this is something he started with his brother like 10 years ago, where basically you can upload something, whether it be a video or a poem or a piece of music or whatever it is that you want to upload. And other people can take that that you uploaded, download it, work on it, re-upload it. And basically everything on that site is meant to be shared in a collaborative process. Mm-hmm. That's the remix culture I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, it's, um, we watched the very first episode, and I'd, I'd never heard of the website or anything like that, and I just, all of a sudden, I looked it up, and I was like, that sounds super interesting, and and so it's, the, the episode is basically just stuff, I guess, that has come off his site, 
I think there's probably four or five of these that are shared on the first episode. And I really want to watch more. And I really want to explore the site a lot more. And I'm probably not the best person to talk about it because I don't know very much about it. But the first season is up on Netflix. I really like the, the sense of community that's happening in all kinds of different areas right now. Yeah. Uh, whether it be, you know, makers or farmers or, you know, because there's this whole this whole culture that's come together to work with one another in much the same way that people used to work with one another. And I think it's really amazing. Yeah, and it's, it's you know, it's all over the world now. It's, you know, there's things like, you know, a day in the life and things like that where, yeah. you know, everybody you know, does the same project the same day, you know, everybody wants to get involved as the same project the same day and it all comes together and really makes That is a movie that made me cry. Yeah. Because they all do. (laughs) But I I just, I love it. Mm -hmm. I love this sense of sharing that tends to be happening right now. You know, and, um, you know, I think it just offsets some of the, the greed that is also happening right now. So it gives me hope. Yeah. There's there's a lot of crap in the world, but at least there's some creative geeks out there. Right. Yeah. Well, on I that note, you. since I wrapped that up with a pretty bow, we're going to we're going to wrap this topic up <laughs> and we're going to take another quick break and come back with our picks of the week. Follow our show links and download the podcast MP3s from our website, RelatedToGeeks.com. You can also listen on our YouTube channel. Alright everybody, welcome back. We are going to discuss our picks of the week. Just whatever geeky things that we have enjoyed lately that we would like to recommend to you guys. And we're going to start with Sarah. What's your pick of the week? I'm going to pick a um, website. It's called DIY.org, and it's really meant for kids. Um, I think it's really geared towards like 7 to 16, if I remember correctly. And what it is, is it's kind of an achievement system. You get patches for doing things. And it's kind of like if you were like a Boy Scout or a Girl Scout and you had like the merit badges and stuff, and you would get your book and it would have a a patch and you would look at all the things you needed to do to complete that very much the same sort of thing or if you play a lot of xbox okay (laughs) (laughs) i don't play a lot of xbox well there's achievements on xbox (laughs) yeah it's important um but you know they have all sorts of stuff whether it be backyard farmer or astronomy or um I don't even, I think I counted, it was like 130 different topics you can do. Uh, one of the ones that they have is Fabric Hacker, and it is just about putting electronics into clothing or other fabric items like stuffed animals or whatever. And that's what that whole badge is about. And basically, whenever you decide you want to try something, you click on it, and there will be a YouTube video that they've linked up that shows somebody doing this. And then everybody can post their videos or their pictures of them doing this project to the site as well. And Hmm. if you do so many things, then you get a little badge, a little electronic badge in your thing. But the other cool thing is you can actually order an embroidered patch from the company. 
and they've got DIY.org clubs around um, different areas where, where people are getting together just like Girl Scouts or Boy Scouts and working on these badges together in kind of a troop sort of situation, which I think is pretty awesome. We've done lots of looking at the videos, and we've never really sat down and done a patch, but she's done, Liz has done some of the, the items on it. And I think even, even as an adult, just looking at the different things and going, you know what, that's something that interests me. And then it's kind of like just curated to where you can go in and see videos on whatever those specific, specific um, subjects are that you're interested in. So, you know, even though it's geared towards kids and it's geared towards trying to get people involved in making stuff and building stuff and cooking and, I mean, I just, there's a ton of different learning. I mean, there's just a ton of different, different patches out there. And I wish I had something with, with me that I could, I could look up some of them on it because they're all escaping me. Yeah. um, you know, like there's there's outdoor survival, there's holiday ones, there's like one that's specifically for doing stuff for Halloween. So you you'll be doing things that are specifically geared towards like Halloween or the winter holidays. Um, and I just think it's got some really cool ideas in there. A little, I mean, just a whole bunch of DIY videos is what it is that are curated, and that's how mm-hmm. I look at it. What it kind of reminds me of is there's a there's another website called Recycle Bank um, that obviously is more specific than that, but it's it's a whole bunch of articles and you know different uh, information, infographs, uh, little quizzes and and things like that that all teach about recycling and the importance of recycling. But it's all built up around this concept that the more you you know, learn about recycling, the more you essentially bank um, in points, I think is what they use. But as you build up those points, you can actually use those to get stuff. Um, Like they do a lot of like digital magazine subscriptions. I think they actually do a few physical subscriptions and then they have their own store that, you know, you have to obviously read a whole bunch of articles to, to build up stuff, but it's stuff like, you know, natural bath and body products and and household items and things like that that you can build up points through learning about recycling which is something people need to know more about anyway because a lot of people don't really understand how to recycle you know even those who take the time out to recycle may be doing it wrong and may not actually be doing any good as far as the the items that they're putting into the recycling bin because it's not items that they can use and it can damage other items that are usable so yeah i guess i'm really we i found out about this site probably about two years ago and i think i spent probably a good solid day just looking at videos (laughs) it was it was kind of insane because i'm like this is cool and this is cool and they keep adding new ones um and we're we're going to actually start i think doing the astronomy one because that's something we're actively learning about right now so as as we go through that we're going to try to focus on some of the things even if it's just watching the video because she's still going to learn from that but it is very definitely like there's there's things on there about creating a red flashlight to to take out and and that way if you have to look at a star chart or something you're not you know losing your night vision and stuff like that there's even one in there for building your own telescope so it goes from, from pretty simple to, to pretty intricate. So you can really tailor it to whatever age as well, including adults, even though it's not meant for adults. There, It's definitely 
there's a lot of learning opportunities for adults on this side. Yeah. I mean, I can pick up a fifth grade textbook and learn stuff from it, you know. <laughs> it's just oh, whether yeah. you have that knowledge but or not. So it's, it's, I mean, to me, it's just about finding those things that really interest you. I think beekeeping is one of them. If you want to be a beekeeper, there's some videos there that you can go start and look at. And All right, I'm ready. Learn, learn a few DIY projects. <laughs> Uh, but I, I just like that it's got, I mean, really, truly all sorts of different interests, whether you want to do something with electronics or whether you want to go outside and build something or go on a hike or whatever. There's gonna You're going to find something in every aspect of life mm-hmm. on this site, which I think is amazing. And like I said, all really nicely curated. I want to I check out the Fabric Electronics. <laughs> yeah, it's called, it's the, the badge is called yeah, Fabric Hacker. <laughs> fabric yeah. hacker, yeah, that's that's me. I want to be a fabric hacker and build a wearable. Uh, that's that's another one I really want to do with Liz because she does so much with fabric, and especially in her her stuffed animals and stuff that she makes. I'm like, if she could do some sort of like LED something in her her stuffed animals, that could be pretty cool. No, put a Raspberry Pi in there. Yeah, I don't I don't <laughs> know much about that part of it. So it's a single board computer the size of a phone. Yeah, I mean I know that much and yeah. All of that, but yeah, it just runs off a of USB. The power for it is you know, USB. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. it's really and there may be something in there with Raspberry Pi. I don't know. I really don't know. I know that there's definitely more than just putting LED lights in something. Um, yeah, they have. But if you have a Raspberry Pi in it, then it can talk. It can listen. It can do. Uh, uh, record stuff. I mean, uh, just uh-huh. whatever. Yeah, and, I, and, and you've made a Furby. <laughs> yeah, a Furby yeah, or, or a wearable. Put it in a hat or put it in a jacket. If it's not in the Fabric Hacker one, then I think it's definitely in their electronic one of their electronic ones. The Raspberry Pi. Oh, I'm sure they've yeah. got. You know, they got to have something on Raspberry Pi or on some kind of small computer because it's a it's a real fun. I know computer. they definitely have Arduino stuff. Yeah. Okay. So they'll have Raspberry Pi too. Arduino is uh, cool stuff. It's more of a uh, uh, building block approach. Yeah. And Raspberry Pi is more of a single, but you can build on Raspberry Pi too, you know. But Arduino, if you need sensors or home control or stuff like that, you can buy those modules already made. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah just just overall, I think the site's a pretty cool site. And like I said, if, if you want the tangible badges for your, your kids... And they do the projects. You can, you know, I mean, I don't, I don't think that they care whether or not they do the projects. It's whether or not <laughs> you want to <laughs> give them something for not doing them. But, um, you know, it's, I mean, embroidered patches cost money. They're like $4 a piece, but. Yeah, cool. most, most people are going to um, uh, do the project to get the patch. You know, I mean, it's doing yeah. the project that's fun, not to get in the patch. Right. But it right. is a motivation for the kids, especially if they're in a club. Yeah, yeah. And one of the things that I thought was really cool about it, one of their badges, and I remember this one specifically, it's called Cardboard Hacker. And it's basically about just taking things and making things out of cardboard boxes. Yeah. And one of the guys, one of the kids that is a member of the thing, and he has done a ton of stuff because I, I, after I found this out, I looked up his name. But he created a badge holder because their badges are hexagonal. So they're not a typical shape. And he, with cardboard, created a badge holder to, to display his badges. So he basically just layered up a bunch of hexes or kind of honeycomb grids on top of a, a plain backing and made these badge holders. 
and they started manufacturing them and selling selling them in their shop with his I'm I'm assuming he's getting some money from them. he's definitely credited. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was pretty cool. That they've actually taking something from the community that somebody created one of their badges and are now offering it because they see it as something that people will want. All right, Dad, what's your pick of the week? Um I got a pick of the week and a and a forward looking pick of the week. Um my pick of the week is Clonezilla. I've been uh, working on this backup server, and I bought a couple of two terabyte Hitachis. And uh, since it was only a few dollars more, I went ahead and got the um, SATA 3, which are faster data transfer rate. So, obviously, if you got some really fast drives like that, you want to put them in your video production system. And my video production system had a couple of drives in it that were SATA 2. So these would be twice as fast, theoretically. They may not actually be quite twice as fast. But but one of the drives that was SATA 2 was the boot drive. So I used Clonezilla and uh, mounted the boot drive in my backup system, and then I made a copy of it using Clonezilla to another drive that was in my backup system. And then I copied that to the 2-terabyte fast drive. I think it was a two-step process like that. I'm not sure if it have to be. I think it does. I think you have to make an image, and then it'll you you make another drive from the image. And I put that uh, uh, new SATA 3 drive in, and it booted and ran everything just like it was the other one. I didn't have to reinstall anything. So it just kind of freaked me out how well that worked. And that's Clonezilla. It's also good for copying you know data drives, but copying data drives is not near as hard as copying a boot drive. That way I was able to upgrade my system to faster hard drive and not have to reinstall all the software and and get everything back into place where it was supposed to be. It all just happened automatically. It was really great. It seems like um, we did the, something like that at some point with one of our hard drives when we had, there's a, when we had yeah, issues. There's a Windows program, Norton Ghost. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure what. Norton I mean, Ghost, Devin did it. Norton Ghost sure does the same thing for Windows. <clears throat> so... If you're on a Windows system, you might want to try Norton Ghost. Uh, there's other programs that do it, too. Um, theoretically, under Linux, you're supposed to be able to do that with the Unix command DD, and I tried that, and it did not work. Now, it maybe I did something wrong, you know. But Clonezilla had an interface and everything, so it made it uh, a lot easier to use, and it worked great. And my forward-looking pick of the week is PodPress. It's a WordPress plug-in for podcasts. So what I want to do is install WordPress in our podcast subdirectory and then install the PodPress plugin because it's supposed to make, uh, you know, serve the media, give you a player, and it's also supposed to give you your XML files to make them iTunes ready. So that'll be an ongoing, the saga of PodPress, and I'll report on that, how well it's working in future issues. I like it. Yeah, it sounds really good. Megan, do you have a pick of the week? My hesitant pick of the week, the I'm not quite sure about it pick of the week, and it's something that I've been not quite sure about it. Not because I know I enjoy it. I'm just not sure if it's good or not. But once upon a time, the fourth season hit Netflix, and I marathoned it because that's what I've done every time one of those seasons has hit Netflix. I can't watch it week to week. It doesn't. It doesn't hold me the same way watching it week to week. I've tried it before, 
but whenever a season comes out on Netflix, I inevitably sit down and say, okay, well, I'll try it. I'll watch an episode. And then I end up just watching all of it um, in a matter of, you know, three or four days. And I feel a little, you know, dirty inside. But it is, it's one of those shows that is so dumb. It's got such a wonderful level of dumb, but it does a few things really well. There's two things that I love about it that I think all shows should do more of and, uh, you know, take inspiration from it. Uh, it does two story arcs every season. And I think this is something that shows should either do more often or we should just implement a 13-episode season and call that good. But that pretty much eliminates any filler episodes. There's no just stale episodes, I feel like. Whenever I sit down and watch Once Upon a Time, I feel like I'm watching a collection of miniseries that, you know, a certain characters roll over. But then, you know, you have these new characters that come in for this selection of episodes, and that's what the story is arced around. And then those characters kind of fan off and new characters come in because, obviously, with Disney being what they're pulling from, they've got a bajillion characters they can pull from. Um, so that's... That's the first thing, but the second thing that I really wish more shows did was they really use all of their actors together. There's there's not really any case that I can think of where I can think of two actors in that show that don't have pretty regular scenes together. As far as like the main cast, they all interact with each other in a way that a lot of times you don't see on TV. You kind of see like characters kind of boxed off to where they interact with this portion of the cast but you never really see like it's a real treat when you see these char the characters have a scene together um whereas in once upon a time you really kind of get a nice intermingling of all of the characters and it makes sense it makes sense in a very organic way that these characters are are coming together it's not just forced like oh you know these two characters are trapped together and now they have to escape oh what a pickle um, it's, it's a very organic, uh, development of, of character interaction, and it's, it's done beautifully. But overall, the, the, the show's just, it's just wedging all of the Disney lore in together in a way that doesn't make any sense, and it's just bizarre, but I tend to just really enjoy myself when I'm watching that show. That's one of those shows that we keep talking about watching, and we've never seen a single episode, so... Well, I tell you, it's, I mean, you're going to watch it. And you're going to think, man, this show's real dumb. This show's real dumb. I mean, because I think <laughs> I, that, I, I mean. Afraid of that. I know a lot of people who watch it, but yeah, I think that's, that tends to be, there's a lot of complaining about it. Yeah. And, and I think that's kind of what's kept me from actually hitting the play button. It's, but it might not be warranted. I don't know. I don't know. I feel like it's dumb in a self-aware way, though. I think yeah, that's the, I don't mind that. I like dumb in a self-aware way. I There's think that's lot. the trick. Yeah. I remember I was watching a YouTuber. It's um, Dodger Lee is the name of the YouTuber. She has two separate channels, but her kind of vlog channel, I believe, is Dex Bonus. Um, and it was back probably in the first season, but she was she started watching Once Upon a Time. And she talked about how other people kept saying, oh, you have, to, you have to watch the show. It's such a good, bad show. It's such a good, bad show. And then she started watching it, and she's like, yeah, you're right. This is a good, bad show. I really like it. Like, you know, I really enjoy the cheesiness of it. And then she said, 
then I started realizing episode to episode that I started to care. And I had <laughs> feelings about these characters. And stuff got way too real and thing and and you know it all i got way too invested and then at a certain point i realized maybe this is a good good show <laughs> so i mean that's the kind of that's the kind of same feelings that i'm having about this show it's like you know if i try to watch it week to week it doesn't hold my attention but if i can sit down and watch a few episodes at a time which I know not everybody enjoys doing. I know Dad, especially, is not the kind of person who's going to sit down and watch several episodes of a TV show back to back. But I, I enjoy that from time to time. I think, I think it hit around the time of the Labor Day holiday, and so I sat down and started watching it during that extra day I had, and you know was able to watch quite a bit of it during that time. Yeah, it just it won't hold my attention week to week. I've tried it before, where I started the season and I watched an episode. And then the week later, I, I watched the episode, but I watched it a couple days after it came out. And then sometimes I'll like, oh, I'll just double up next week and watch two episodes in a row. And I just lose it. I, it, doesn't, it doesn't hold my attention unless it's all back-to-back. -back. I, don't, I don't like back-to-back, -back, but I like uh, every day yeah. instead yeah. of every week or, or almost every day, five days a week or uh, where I, you know, I mean, if you watch it for five days a week, after two or three weeks, you've watched the season. Yeah, yeah. You know, and we do that. Or here. Half season, we, you know, we, yeah, yeah. We are we are marathoners here, but it's it's funny. It's something that we've talked about that that whole commitment thing. We will talk about watching a movie, and then we're like, we don't want to invest that much time right now, and then we'll watch, you know, more than a movie's worth of a TV series. Yeah. But I think there's just that something about, you know, what if I don't want to watch another episode, I just turn it off and I'm not committed to watching that last half hour if that's not what I want to do. Whereas if a movie, if you turn it off with a half hour left in it, you're kind of kind of in a silly place. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like half hour episodes because that way I don't have to watch too much TV to watch. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, but we do though. We'll sit there and watch five episodes of something, but we don't want to commit to the time to watch a movie. Yeah. So I mean, I'll watch. <laughs> I'll watch two hours worth of five-minute YouTube videos. I mean, it's just oh my gosh, it's horrible, isn't it? <laughs> I like YouTube videos. I think there's a lot of stuff being put out. I think just the the quality of that easily accessible home electronics market mm -hmm. has made YouTube videos so much better over the past three or four years. Um, and if you watch somebody who's been on for that long and you look at their channel now versus when they started four years ago, it is night and day. Yeah. And I don't think it's just because they've had the experience. I think it's just the accessibility of equipment and what they could do then versus what they can do now. And I'll tell you what, I feel like the people who are noticing it more than they ever had before are are actors who are, you know, like actually in things, you know, who I've noticed, especially in a lot of panels and things like that, where people are like, oh, I'm an, ex I'm an aspiring actor. Do you have any advice for me? And they're like, you live in an age where you can record stuff on your phone and post it online and millions of people will go and watch it. There's no reason why you shouldn't just be creating content. Just go out and film a short film with some friends, you know. There's, there's no excuse for that anymore. If you really want to do that, go do it. That's why there's so much out there on YouTube is because there's so many people who have realized that there's no excuse anymore to not just create, you know, videos and post them out there. Yeah. 
And that's part of the reason, you know, I still haven't done it, and I've still been talking about creating video and stuff. You know, I don't know if I'll ever get anybody watching it, but why not try and see if I've got something to share with people that they're interested in learning about. Mm -hmm. And I know that what I'm interested in, I can't find by doing this search. doesn't mean it's not out there, but I'm not finding it. So why not see if I can do something that, that might interest somebody? <laughs> it might not. And people might be like, well, this is already out there in plethora, and you're just dumb and can't find it. But... But, you know, I mean, it's a half hour of my time plus the editing time and, you know, a little bit of time to upload it. And maybe it'll help somebody. One of the things I like about YouTube videos is that they don't have to have that sheen. They don't have to have that big budget look and all that. Right. Like a product's got to have. And uh, I enjoy them more, you know. I mean, I like them when they're well done and they're tight and everything, you know. But I enjoy them more than I like watching you know, commercial product lots of times because of the fact that uh, it's just some real people saying some real stuff instead of all everything scripted like reality TV yeah. is. YouTube yeah. is real reality TV. Yeah. Reality <laughs> yeah. TV is just oh, scripted, another scripted show, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing to me. That's not something that I do, but I know a lot of people watch people's daily vlogs. Like, mm -hmm. they watch 30 minutes of everybody's daily life, at, you know, or a certain people. And I've never gotten into that because I I don't want to invest that time. Yeah. But, you know, and there are people that are really literally sharing their lives on YouTube, which is kind of crazy to me. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, that's not, that's not anything that I'm going to ever want to get into because I'm not that public of a person. But, <laughs> but I like the idea of uploading some content and seeing if it, you know. If anybody likes it, I guess. Well, if you're a band and you're making a music video and you got a record contract and all that, that's fifty to a hundred thousand dollars to make a three or four minute music video. And uh, sometimes I go out to the band shell and shoot a performance, live performance documentary on one camera, and you know I like them better. I like them better than seeing some guy walking down the street lip syncing. Yeah. <laughs> My forever way of, of deciding whether it's a good music video or not is if it's a music video that I could treat like radio, I don't feel like it's a good music video. It's got to be engaging in a way that either shows the enjoyment of the performance itself or, you know, does it in, does a, a video in a creative way. Like, you know, we mentioned in podcasts before, like, okay, go is a great example of people who go the extra mile and making really interesting, involved music videos. But on top of that, you know, we we're talking about the live performances. Sometimes all it takes is just watching a person actually perform. And the fact is, most music videos, you're not watching that person perform. You're watching them act or, you know, be real dramatic or broody or whatever they're, they're told to do by the director of that music video and then lip syncing to the song. And it's, it, it just, I just, I have no attention span for that. I treat it like radio. <laughs> it's awful, yeah. And, um, but uh, what I call a uh, live performance documentary is an actual recording of an actual performance, that song start to finish, and you, you know, you get to actually, you know, like when you go see live music, even music that you might not normally listen to, you kind of get it, mm -hmm. you know, if you go see it live. Um, like, I'm not really a big metal fan, but I have some friends that play metal, and I see them a couple times a year, and when they're playing, I get it, I like it, you know what I'm saying? Um, whereas I won't ever, you know, put on a metal CD or anything, but... Uh, 
Um, and the same is true with all styles of music. I mean, some people haven't seen, you know, old 20s jazz, but you see someone actually doing it, and you, it helps you get it, you know. Yeah. But whenever you see someone, you know, looking out the window and then lip syncing, it's like they're singing along with the radio or something, you know. It's, it's pretty lame in my estimation. <laughs> and those things cost a lot of money. Yeah. <laughs> so that's why I like YouTube. Yeah, YouTube's the best. YouTube's you can be low end. You can be low end, and people don't care, as long as uh, it's not too long. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, you know, I say that, but I've been known to watch hour-long videos on YouTube too. So, if it's something that seriously interests me, yeah, it has to be. It has to, to be, be good. It's something. If there's something that I think I'm going to learn from it, and I'm familiar with their other content, and mm -hmm. think that it's going to be something i'm going to find interesting then i'll i'll watch it yeah but it's it's a rare if it's if it's something i've never seen before i won't give it more than five minutes usually maybe 10 depending on the subject matter but i have i have to know them to invest anything more than that into it watching a youtube video is not the same as watching a television show although you can watch televisions on youtube um but uh, uh youtube videos um that are designed to appeal you know, should be short. You know, if you have to do several of them to get your whole thing, do several of them. You know, mm -hmm. it's easier overall. Now there is stuff on YouTube that's long that's worth watching. And, yeah, only uh, watch binge watching. I binge watched The Guild. You know, whenever I started yeah. watching that, I was just one show <laughs> after another. You know, yeah, it was but they're just like so good. He's something like that. So I mean, binge watching still means you're only spending a half an hour or so watching it. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we did too. We watched the entire, you know, we, when we first found out about it, we watched probably the entire first season in, in one sitting because seriously. And that's an hour or so. Long. Yeah. I mean, cause all the episodes are real short. Yeah. yeah. But that's, that's, uh, that's an example of, uh, of what creative professionals can do with YouTube. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I think that's the really neat thing about YouTube. And I think, uh, I think I've mentioned this before, but YouTube and, like, the future of media really warrants its own topic, and we'll probably do that in the future. But I yeah. think the really interesting ab thing about YouTube is that I can load up, like, a playlist. Like, I'll, I'm will i a, a big fan of the Watch Later button. I love that button because I'll just load up a bunch of stuff on the Watch Later, and then I'll, I'll click that playlist, and I'll have it going on my TV while I'm walking around doing dishes and stuff like that. And I can go from, like, you know super like highly skilled editing videos with like music mixed in and you know you know professional lighting and all that stuff and the next video is a single shot standard definition you know the guy's kind of too far away and it's really dark and grainy and and i can enjoy both of those videos you know on the same level it's just yeah and you'd, and you'd never get to see that second time on broadcast television yeah no just the guy who has something to say or the guy who's just off the wall, you know, but his production quality is low. Um, you never get to see it at all. Yeah. You know, and that stuff, that's, that's still art, still legitimate art. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, Alex Day has uh, done some interesting videos about the idea of, you know, he became scared a few times because 
YouTubers were getting too big and the videos were getting too fancy and he was afraid that it was going to scare people away from just grabbing some, you know, crappy camera that they had lying around and filming themselves on a static shot and just talking about stuff because he's, he, was, he was so adamant that that's what YouTube is about. That's what YouTube really is. It's just the random guy who picks up their camera and decides to film themselves one day. And so he was worried for a while when YouTube really started getting big and, and all of these people that he knew that grew up on that, you know, idea of I'd have this camera and I'm going to use it to say something. And uh, instead, uh, now have, you know, really, you know, you know, multi-thousand dollar cameras that they, you know, film with and this whole lighting set up and procedure that they go through and these finely edited videos that they produce and put out there and he was he was worried that that would scare people away because they felt like they had to get to that level they had to have that kind of equipment to produce youtube videos anymore which is so not what youtube is i really like that it encompasses both yeah, yeah you know me too. i mean i really like that you can say hey <laughs> if i work hard at this i can do that eventually mm -hmm. and because those people all started doing the same thing I'm doing now. Absolutely. You know, and I and I like that. I like that there's that that sense of there there's upward mobility in this if you want to work at it and if you can put out, you know, regular regular content is more more important than great content. Mm -hmm. Honestly. <laughs> That's <laughs> a discussion that. we've had. <laughs> That's a discussion we've had before is that, you know, it's it's better to post frequently than it is to to you know be a perfectionist and wait forever to post a single video because people Doesn't just mean don't post care. Post a bunch of crap nobody wants to see, but yeah. you know because <laughs> there's there's plenty of that as there's, well. There's there's yeah there's 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 <laughs> there's lots of crap on YouTube. I YouTube might be one of the YouTube is be. YouTube is just like everything else, and I've had to explain this to a lot of people because it happens. But YouTube is just like everything else where 99.9% .9 of it is just crap. <laughs> I mean, that's just the nature of things. <laughs> that, is, Not that is known as Sturgeon's Law. <laughs> Theodore Sturgeon, science fiction author, was told, How can you guys read all that science fiction when so much of it is just crap? And Theodore Sturgeon said, 90% of everything is crap. Yeah. Except broadcast television. 99.9% .9 of broadcast television is crap. <laughs> oh, goodness. Oh. Just Doctor Who, right? <laughs> yeah. Hollywood movies, man. I can't stand to watch them anymore. Oh. I, yeah. I, I am oh. a big fan. A big <laughs> fan of the, the independent, the quirky independent. Yeah. That's where I like I to mean, be. Uh, you see Hollywood movies in the first five minutes, you know what guy's going to end up with what girl at the end of the movie, and then it's all just them fighting throughout the things until they end up together. I just hate that crap. <laughs> if, I, if I watch a movie and after five minutes I know how it's going to end, why am I watching it? Give me some plot. <laughs> <laughs> I want a story. <laughs> so this discussion started with our picks of the week. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> we just went off. We go off on tangents. So this is a this is a double topic episode. <laughs> topic one was creative outlets. Outlets. Topic two was our our thoughts on media today. So there you go. Yeah. There you go. Bonus. We're, we got a little sidetracked there, but anyway, <laughs> I think we need to. 
go ahead and uh, wrap this uh, particular podcast up. And like I said, we'll probably visit this topic again in the future. Clearly, it's something we're passionate about, and we're st- <laughs> we're still down a man. So, uh, thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this podcast, and we'll be back in a couple of weeks with another one. Bye. Kier, we missed you. No, poor Kier. He's all sicky poo. It's one of those days. This was supposed to be a shorter podcast, guys. <laughs> We're yeah. down a man. <laughs> <laughs> I think we all like to talk a little too much.